while we're talking about feet and hands. I love a good limb talk. <laughs> you weren't there when we were talking about necks the other night. Uh, but I think I I think I briefed you. I did brief you. Yeah, how necks are the superior body part. What do you think about my neck? It's a really nice neck, but your hair is usually in the way, so I haven't really gotten a good look. If you want to maybe like move your hair to the side. Okay, here. (laughs) Whatever you're doing right there is working really well. I think it's the head position. Wow. Do I have a nice? Do you see like? You'll have to look sometime. I don't know if you've ever looked at your neck, but <clears throat> whatever. <laughs> I look at it all the time. <laughs> There's like some nice, I don't know, probably muscles going on up there. I have a very muscular neck. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. I also have like really deep divots in here. Like if I go like this, you can put like a snack in there. <laughs> <for like a, laughs> what do you usually put in there? I like some grapes or something. <laughs> Red or green grapes? This is a really important question. Oh my god, I didn't know we were gonna get so deep so fast. Um, I you can tell me to if I've crossed a boundary. You better, <laughs> tell, you better tell me. No, no, we're good. Um, I think I don't know. It just depends on my mood. You know what I mean? Like I can't mm-hmm. go one way or the other. Like right now, I could go for a red grape, one hundred percent. But I know, like. Probably later this afternoon, I'm going to be a green grape type of person. You know, I was just talking about this with my friend, with Jameson and our circling. So how do I want to start that? So red grape in the morning, but green grape in the afternoon. Like I was talking about how I'm, it makes me sometimes uncomfortable how many different versions of myself that there are. Not just talking about the internal family system, but talking about how many different interactions bring different parts of me out and like just the time of day brings different parts of me out or um just how attuned I am to the changes in my myself and that I get confused sometimes I'm like I don't know who I am because I'm it's a different time of day or a different weather like we are so susceptible to little minute nuanced changes like that and I I don't think that we give ourselves enough credit for like, oh, it's okay that I'm different right now (laughs) or that like that's not consistent. And then also giving each other grace about like, oh, oh no, you're, you said red grapes this morning. So you're, you're a red grape girl. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, no, you're allowed to change your mind. You, I reserve you the right to be interested in green grapes. (laughs) For sure. What about that makes you uncomfortable then? Because you seem very like aware and accepting that we do have different personalities. So, yeah, the finished finishing that thought, the thing that made me uncomfortable while I was talking to my friend Jameson about it was um that for a long time I I'm I have a side of me that's very warm and loving and nurturing and cozy and likes soft things and likes nice things and likes quiet and stillness and and then there's this other part of me that's like a raging violent succubus demonic quantum Mm. occult spirituality and listens to funk music and rob zombie and they sometimes feel at odds with each other and i i don't I I have to be comfortable. Those aren't just the two parts of me necessarily, but those are the two contrasted most sides. And um, 
So what about that makes me uncomfortable sometimes is that I don't know I don't know who is going to show up or or how I'm going to be affected by the mood and the weather or somebody else's energy sometimes and I guess it's like an insecurity I'm like I don't know what's going to shift me not the not that things aren't going to shift me I accept that part but what are they going to shift and who will I be afterwards and what will come out of me in this conversation and I I guess just staying with myself no matter what is like okay if that's the the ragey violent not so happy version of me comes out like I have to stay I want to stay with myself and accept that part of myself too even if I find myself around people who are much lighter and want things to be positive all the time and feel good all the time and so the discomfort not that it's a negative thing or a bad thing but there is a discomfort there of am I it's a question of am I going to be accepted kind of like my reel this morning like I'm not always going to be accepted, but I can always accept myself. And so getting comfortable with all those different variations of myself is what it requires, I guess, at the end of the day. Like, okay, well, this is my mood today, and I don't care that I liked, you know, I Gregory Isaac Asimov's— that's not even his name. I don't know what— I don't know what his name is. Isaac Asimov is a science fiction author. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I don't, that like really low-key acoustic guy that everybody likes that sings Black Car. And then some days I'm listening to Living Dead Girl. or, um, And I've realized that consistency isn't the same thing every time all the time for me consistency is me staying with me no matter what Mm. anytime all the time whatever shows up does that make sense totally so do you believe that you can control who you are in any given moment then like it sounds like there is a bit of uncertainty about who you're going to be and how you're going to show up but don't you think that you can also show up as someone specific, like perhaps one of your identities in any yeah. given situation? Yeah, that is definitely what <clears throat> being in tune with that kind of, that's what Jameson and I were kind of talking about is that because there's that presence with myself and attunement to these different variations of my personality and dynamic, and I love them that I'm dynamic, and the insecurity comes from power kind of like whoa that's uh, that's intense to be able to control who I am at any given time Mm -hmm. and and it needs to be that way um but really really understanding that that's what's happening and that's how much power I have over myself and control I have over myself is is kind of it's kind of just alarming and it can be unnerving to be the person that has that kind of control um and um I I also want to be conscious of reading people and that takes a lot of not reading people and psychoanalyzing them but like reading people like is this a is this going to make them uncomfortable and not going out of my way to make people uncomfortable because like fuck them I can do whatever I want be whoever I want but also kind of just discerning with the moment and being socially aware um being socially aware and discerning what the moment 
is calling for, requires, or maybe I do need to say this kind of thing, or maybe I stay quiet on that kind of thing because it just isn't necessary. I don't have to be all versions of myself all the time or that kind of like the fallacy of authenticity. Mm. I think that's ridiculous. You're not yours. I'm not myself all the time with every single person, nor do I really want to be. I don't feel like that's necessary. Mm -hmm. So then I do have that. Instead, I have control over what I'm going to output and my mood and my emotional regulation. And if I get triggered, then I either speak up about that trigger or I note that somewhere in the back of my mind that, oh, this person triggers me. Like, hmm, is it something that I want to continue exploring and, and get closer to this person through it? Or is it something that I want to, it is just unnecessary to be around and they're just not going, we're just a mismatch in, in values or yeah, value systems, and we're just not going to have a good time. Like, I don't need to muscle through everything and mm -hmm. be myself in everything, you know? Totally. Yeah, what do you think about that? Do you feel like you have control over? <laughs> this is such a not at all what I would have talked about. Um, do you feel like you have control over changing your your output, your authenticity? I think I do sometimes, but I do think it's a challenging aspect of having multiple selves and having the awareness of each of your identities like yeah. for example maybe challenge is a better word than insecurity like the awareness of the challenge of it totally not necessarily like i can't do it it's like oh my god this is a lot to do mm -hmm. knowing that i have so much going on and just knowing that you do have the power to change your mindset in any given moment but that's yeah. Not the easiest thing to do, even if it's the right thing to do. Like, I can give a few examples. Um, I was rock climbing in St. George a couple months ago, and I showed up to the crag and immediately wanted to have a mental breakdown. It was, it came out of nowhere. It was something that I'm sure had compounded over the course of a few weeks of just feeling stressed and burnt out, um, a multitude of factors. And I got there and someplace that's normally my happy place didn't feel so safe anymore. And I could hardly hold myself together. And in that moment, I wanted nothing more than to just be able to like feel happy, you know, and feel like I wanted to actually rock climb and spend time with the people that I'd gone out to meet up with. And I, there was just nothing I could really do. I just kind of like sat in the sun for a bit and it just took... A few minutes of feeling isolated and then talking to my friends for my mood to kind of shift and it was definitely external factors that helped me move into a different mindset in that moment I don't think I could have done it on my own I just wanted to hike back to my van and like cry interesting and I had in this whole time you know I'm like thinking this is not who I want to be right now this really sucks like this feels awful I, sh I shouldn't be feeling like this and I don't want to feel like this but yet I felt so powerless actually making a change internally so that I didn't feel so awful you know what I mean so yeah and that's really interesting I think that's still so much power from what I'm hearing even though you felt powerless your power actually came from knowing that you needed to utilize external factors and then doing so like you took affirmative action on that so I I still feel here only power <laughs> I suppose that's that yeah now that you say that I did spend the time that I was just kind of sitting on my own I was having like an internal dialogue take place that yeah. was like 
I want to go home. I want to cry, the inner child. And then countered with, no, you're going to stay and you're going to rock climb. You're going to climb at least one route. And if you don't feel better, you can leave. But you always feel better and you know this. So you're going to stay and do it. And I think that helped a lot. And then tied in with just like feeling the compassion from people I really cared about. And that energy exchange as well was what made me stay and actually like follow through on what the rock climber in me wanted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that that's so that's so much more powerful that you the challenge is having that awareness and not being a lot of the people that I work with or talk to have this very militant kick your ass type of perspective on that inner dialogue. No, you're going to fucking rock climb you little bitch. <laughs> and they're so mean. And yeah. then but there also is that like self-assigned tough love of mm-hmm. you know you you've gathered evidence that you feel better when you rock climb. Why don't you give it a shot and if you don't feel better then go home but like you this is good. And not necessarily the angel and devil for something to do something bad, which I think that it's always put into that context of like, oh, should I or shouldn't I? It's like, it's also in those really nuanced, intimate moments with yourself where you're like, I really need some help, me. What do you you got? (laughs) And then the one of the voices comes in that has evidence and has strength for you from lived experience and says, look, XYZ thing. Like, that's where I always say, not that it might have been hel- it might have been helpful for somebody to say, hey, like me, say, hey, look, you always feel better when you rock climb. I know you mm-hmm. feel like shit right now, but why don't you why don't you try it? That might have been helpful if you were receptive to that and, and you know, we had that kind of relationship. But you doing that for yourself and having the tool set or the skill set of doing that for yourself is so much more powerful. Mm. It's your lived wisdom helping you in the present. That's where past experiences come into play. Even if the past experiences was the thing that made you want to cry in the first place, your past experiences that molded you in your formation are also what helped you get out of that, Mm. that experience in the moment and then draw on not only your own internal wisdom and voice, but also know that you needed some external help so talking to a friend and vocally processing then actually putting your hands on some rocks like Mm -hmm. that was still all Mm self-initiated and i think that we don't another thing that we don't give ourselves credit enough for is when we do self-initiate the things that we do like we're all just living in out (laughs) inward out not outward in so even every little thing can be used or you and should be utilized to to gather evidence and I think a lot of my confidence comes from just being aware that I've done everything like even if I've been helped and I acknowledge mm-hmm. the help I've still done everything I've put myself in places that help xyz thing or I've said things that moved xyz thing forward like I still am the body of person and the corporeal form that is moving through life, even if my spirit or source or whatever is is also part of the, the act. Mm. I don't know if you experience this too, but I've noticed that when something is my idea and I decide to do something that maybe others have told me to do in the past, but it just kind of felt scary trusting them. Um, and then I move forward like with confidence because I 
internally decided it was going to be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I feel more powerful and less fearful doing that. Yeah. Like when I was learning how to ski, I kept getting pressured by my friends to ski like really technical runs or maybe just steep stuff that I really didn't feel ready for. And I was terrified and I would go with them, but I had a horrible time. Mm. And I had days though where I would go out by myself and I would feel super motivated and I would make myself go down the mogul run under the chairlift where everyone could see me wipe out and lose my shit shit and skis and all that. And that was really fun. I was laughing and having a great time. And it got to the point where mm, towards the end of the season, it was my first season ever skiing, I decided I wanted to ski a double black and take the chairlift up to the very top of the mountain and <laughs> immediately caught an edge on that run and broke my leg. <laughs> I <laughs> fell down the whole mountain, but it was my idea. Like I, I thought yeah. I was ready for it. I was ready to go for it. No one had pressured me into it and I felt really excited and confident and I didn't regret it at all. But, you know, I wonder if someone else had been like, no, you got to do this for yourself it's time. And I ended up breaking my leg. I would have resented that decision forever, probably. It, I mean, yeah, you can even just use your imagination and what you know about yourself to assume that that trajectory would have been very unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> like not just the leg breaking thing, but also the mental aspect and the recovery aspect. And yeah, that's super, super complicated even. Um, but your self-awareness about it, I, th I think at the end of the day, has to be the, the forefront of mm -hmm. its empowerment via responsibility. Like, even though you got injured, you didn't have the mental, or I would say, I'm going to catch myself here because it could work in the inverse, where you take, you take so much responsibility that you beat yourself up and then you never do anything like that again. Mm -hmm. Instead of like learn from it and maybe almost even empower yourself from making that choice and deciding you were going to do it or not and that being completely of your own volition. So it is... I feel myself like seeing both sides and then also there's so much gray area and like what somebody else has told you to do and encouraged you to do that's worked out amazing. And and then sometimes you can resent yourself for not doing it yourself. Like, mm -hmm. oh man, I should have known that. I didn't need to be told. Mm -hmm. Or the inverse of where somebody's told you to do something and it didn't work out and then you blame them. Um, I should have just done it myself or not at all. Like, you know what I mean? There's yeah. so many... That's where it really, really can't ever be on someone else to take that kind of responsibility or have that kind of awareness. Like your self-awareness will help in every and all situations because then you're like, oh, well, that's that situation. I know exactly how I got myself here and I know exactly how I think through situations like this and what my processing is for that and Am I going to be resentful? Okay, I got to be mindful of my tendency to resent people that maybe give me advice or push me to do things too soon or something like that. So, yeah, I definitely, I operate in the empowerment via responsibility sphere heavily where I, I almost don't ask for anything from anyone. Not that I don't, I ask for help if I need it. I have no problem asking for help, no fear of rejection kind of thing in that sphere. I've worked really hard on that the last couple of years. And also living nomadically, I've kind of just had to get over that. Like, totally. I just had to be like, oh, all right. Because mm -hmm. um, I need a lot of help. Totally. 
And then um, there's also this other facet of like, I don't actually need anything from anyone so much of the time. And I feel very comfortable taking responsibility for everything in my life. Um, And that's not an easy, even as I was saying it, I was like, is that really fully true? And it's like, yeah, like the microcosms of my day and like taking care of my space and I because I know that if I for an example I know that if I don't take care of my space I'm going to not enjoy my space Mm -hmm. I know I'm not going to enjoy spending time in here but this is my home so when I when I was starting this journey I was I made that agreement with myself like you are going to keep your space clean just that's just there's no other options because you be and then the cascade of because you know that you don't operate well and it stresses you out to be in an untidy space. You've already done all that work, so why, like, you you already took care of that. Why regress? Mm. Um, and so self-awareness just becomes a habit at some point and so, um, a self-propelled, initiated system. And, yeah. I think my jaw kind of hurts wearing these headphones. <laughs> really? Maybe you can really adjust small. them. My head's really small. And I was actually just talking to Nate about how I'm going to invest in another pair of headphones soon because these are already like the shortest that they can be. Oh, and they yeah. still feel like so. And these are Nate's headphones. I just realized. Huge head. And he's got. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that, but I was like, and he's a, and he's a man, so he probably has a big head. Like, no, I was totally like, kidding. <laughs> they're all the things, Nate. If you listen to this, we um, love your head. I'm sure we've taken a better look at your head at this point, and we've resolved that you've whatever it is. We accept you. <laughs> we literally already talked about our heads earlier this morning, so. <laughs> Not joking. You have a you have a strange affinity for talking about necks and heads and body parts. What? I don't think it's that weird. I just have an appreciation for art. <laughs> Dang, girl, your okay. head and neck is a work of art. Tell me about your favorite body part then. Um, on someone else or on myself? Um, both. Okay, I really. I really like, it took a long time, but I really like my lips and I really like my eyes. Okay, my favorite. You only get one. Shit. <laughs> I'm bad at ultimatums. I'm ultimatos. Ultimato tomatoes. Ultimatoes. Um. Yeah, okay. I'll I'll pick my lips. I have decided or come to appreciate the shape of my lips and the movement of them and I used to hate it mm-hmm. because I sing and then I would record like when playing the ukulele and my singing and my lips kind of like go out and come back in go out. and it's just like the lips lip movements are so beautiful and kind of but choppy or beautiful and soft like there's so many different varieties and I never paid attention to them until I started watching my mouth and being annoyed by it and I was like well I don't want to live my life being annoyed at my mouth so I'm gonna work on this and then yeah now I have an appreciation for 
my own lips. And I like, and it, it's such a kind of turning gears to the clunky aspect of stuff I appreciate about it. It's, I don't understand why it's an attractive part of other people's bodies either. Like, why do we look at other people's mouths when we want to kiss them? And what is our, and then there's just, and then what is a kiss? And why is it on the mouth? And mm-hmm. how did it start? And I used to look up the, the hist, actually, maybe while I've wanted to do this several times in the last couple months, but I do want to look up the history of a kiss. Yeah, and while you're doing that, I just want to say your lips definitely enable you to beautifully articulate your words. Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah. can totally see why you appreciate them. And they're kind of like, um, and they can be adorned with things, mm-hmm. colored differently, and they're a sensual part. I've recently gotten into fingers in my mouth, kind of, there's a York Lore song that's like, um... Uh, I'll sing it. Okay. Well, I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to recite it. You know you're beautiful, but that ain't half the gold treasure in your soul, what you got, because I want it all. With your fingers in my mouth, it's hard to see your flaws, so please don't let me fall. So please don't let me fall. And I that resonates with me so deeply because if you've got if I've gotten to the level of intimacy with somebody where, like, the scent, it, doing it now is, like, not that sexy, but it's, like, the sensuality of somebody's fingers in my mouth or tracing my lips or me on somebody else's mouth or lips is so, so erotic, even though it's like it's not anything really exceptional or like outrageous. It's just, I don't know, I, I came to appreciate it this year too. There's lots of facets to this actually. I'm surprised that I came up with mouth lips specifically <laughs> what are your thoughts on desexualizing kissing explain so i'm sure you have a lot of friends that you have a lot of respect for and you find extremely beautiful and attractive in a multitude of ways and maybe sometimes you felt like really attracted to them for that reason but it's not a sexual type of attraction it's like you're drawn to their power and their beauty and their souls And I've definitely experienced this where I just want to, like, kiss my friends or even, like, other people maybe I don't even know very well. But Mm -hmm. I just want to show, like, wow, I really appreciate you, how you're showing up and, like, how you're standing in your power right now. And it's not that I want to sleep with them. It's not that I want anything more than to just, like, gift them this physical intimacy that doesn't need to be sexual in the moment. It kind of combats all the stuff I just said. I know, that's why I asked. Because <laughs> both can be true. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Is like, well, yeah, that sounds great, too. Right? Um, yeah, this, this appreciation for the intimacy of mouths being together and kissing and stuff, like, I think that does kind of translate to, well, I don't want to fuck you, but you've got a really great mouth. And I'm going to show affection this way. Or, yeah, I do see the side of um, the side of desexualizing it, but also that it's erotic. And I like that it's a special I'm my brain works in like this is a very special thing for one person. Mm. I guess that would be called monogamy. (laughs) But 
It's because I see somebody in so many different dynamic aspects of somebody and I uh, all the fractals of their own individual universe. And um, I'm coming into a place where I want to explore that with just one person for and have them be the like the one that I know every eye look and um, that I'm so sensitive to the way that their mouth twitches or the way that they give me a side smile like that's just for me like I want that kind of intimacy and closeness more and more as I as I go along this journey um because I've learned to appreciate how dynamic and beautiful and facets of me there are. And I'm like, wow, I got a lot going on. Mm. Um, so that's kind of like my perspective on how I see all intimacy if I were to involve another person. And then, yeah, it two things can exist at the same time where it's like, yeah, and I can totally agree with the idea of desexualizing kissing and kissing friends in a very casual way because it feels good. We like kissing. Can be the thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess I, I guess I can operate in both realms comfortably. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, too, about you being so multifaceted that now I'm just imagining when you are getting to know someone, you're not just getting to know one person. You're getting to know a lot of different people yeah. in the same body. Yeah. And that is so that is such an interesting perspective on relationships. I'm a raging, volatile, chaotic, demonic succubus in one version of me. And then there's another version, like I'd said, another version of me that's like very soft and cooey and prude and um, is a very slow mover. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, those are, again, those are just the two that seem very obvious recently, especially as I'm dating and meeting people and listening to different types of music that are bringing different sides of me out, um, going through painful experiences that bring, like, and then I imagine like, okay, if I'm going through this, everyone is probably going through this this is like i'm having the most human experience ever right now and that's what makes it so beautiful to to get to know one person for me that i that i'm really craving is like i have can i accept all the different facets of that other person and i'm sure there are going to be parts of them that i don't like and what will i do when i come up against those parts of them that they don't like or that i don't like and maybe the parts of them that they don't like, and then am I going to force them to try to like those parts of themselves? Or how would I respond to that? And how do I approach not liking different parts of myself? Like, it's so, it feels so complicated. And I know I have a tendency to kind of overthink, and this is adventure inward, so this is a deep dive into my experience of this adventure and, and who's on it with me or and how I navigate that. <clears throat> yeah. I completely agree with that and how intricate it is to really get to know someone. I'm very much a one-on-one one -on -one type of person. My one and only love language is quality time. No, I'm kidding. I probably have more, but I always not have— Not kissing? Kissing is not a love language. You're suspect. <laughs> well, what are your love languages? Um, I, and I honestly gosh, don't— I, that. I don't even think nowadays that— we can really categorize love languages anymore. It's just different. Like, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on that? That <laughs> <laughs> can't be boxed. 
I think that they're a great place to start. I yeah. definitely think that they're, it was, it's very helpful for people to start needing to start there and then explore depth i am already such a deep fucking under the trenches of my own skin person i'm in my depths all day or day and so my love languages from other people truly are however they express themselves and show affection to me Mm. um I I can't even fathom having a preference dependent on another person. Um, Or like, I want to be loved this way by you, who's a totally different being with different experiences and molding. And I don't care that you might not be capable of that. I just want it. Like, I've been in situations, I have an ex who I was words of affirmation. And I was just starting to learn this. It was like three or four years ago. And I just got exposed to that. And I was just like so gung-ho about this is how I feel loved. And so when he he didn't understand how to give me words of affirmation, even though I was telling him this is my love language, he felt it was cheap to just give me compliments whenever I asked for them or felt like I needed it because I didn't know really how to do it either. Mm-hmm. And so we, that actually be, ended up being one of the reasons that we got less close and ended up breaking up is because he was very out of touch or incapable of the... He was so intentional and analytical about things in general that he felt it was, and he's a graphic designer, but he felt it was cheap to give me just like tidbits of nice words. They weren't that way to me, though. Him saying something nice to me was like everything. And so I put way too much emphasis on that one particular way of of us interacting with each other. And so I would say that I didn't do it right. (laughs) But... In hindsight, I can see that me being too rigid about how I feel loved is a detriment to people that I'm meeting and wanting to connect with. And so a more loving thing, in my opinion, and for me, is for them to be honest and for them to express the way that they express and if that's not what matches with how I feel loved, then maybe that's a conversation or maybe that's just something that I deal with on my own. And so I, yeah, my relationship with love languages is that it's a great place to start. Lots of learning can be done there and that it shouldn't stop there. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like it's a great starting point for if you're curious and you haven't really asked yourself those questions about what you're looking for and what matters to you in relationships and I think they're very easily applied to friendships too like any type of relationship dynamic and yeah agreed on the words of affirmation I think what I'm more into is that people are generally curious or considerate yeah um, when it comes to things that I care about Um, so it's really nice to just know that people are listening to me and can actually see me. Yeah. Like being listened to is on the love language thing, but what a privilege Mm -hmm. to listen to somebody who's genuinely sharing something, Mm -hmm. even if that's not how I feel loved, that might be how they're expressing love by sharing. Um, that's definitely one of my like giving love is opening up about all the like weird little things and nuances about myself 
that not everybody gets to see. And there's an intimacy to, there's so much intimacy and communication. I, I could just go on and on and on about that. But it's, again, that one special person or those few special people that get that kind of limitless communication and dynamic experience of me is such a love, a love exchange. Um, and then also me creating the environment for them to do the same for me. And that, as we've talked about, doesn't always work out perfectly. Um, so the the great lesson there is not being attached to any of those things at the same time. It's like, I might not ever get back what I give, but that shouldn't stop me from giving it. Mm-hmm. It seems like you have a very fluid mindset and personality when it comes to concepts like this. And I'm wondering how you personally navigate the world feeling like you can change your mind and, you know, life might be different day to day, but you are still able to hold on to your core identity. Like, how do you define your identity when we're living in such a fast-paced world where, you know, things are coming up for us constantly? We're constantly questioning, like, what are we supposed to do? Who are we supposed to be? Like, who are we? And yeah, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, of course. I think the real question there is how do I stay grounded? Mm. And that is less of an ever-changing thing. I have things that I go to every day that ground me. I like my incense. I like my coffee. I like my journal. I like my books. And I like my space. I like plants. It's usually just surrounding myself and acknowledging that there's lots of things that I like around me. And so when I do get swept up in those things, I I first emotionally regulate and kind of breathe through any of the trigger that's happening. And then if it just feels too intense or too fluttered or too chaotic, I just pick one of the things that I know for sure I like and I do it. I really like to journal without a prompt. I'll just, ju- just open a journal and sometimes it comes out as a doodle and sometimes as it comes out as a stream of consciousness. I don't put any, those are the times that I don't put any rigidity on figuring it out or getting it done or moving through things. Those are the times, the more intense it is, the more gentle I am with myself. Um, and so, yeah, and if that doesn't feel good, I drink some water and m- then maybe make some coffee. There's there's little rituals like takes a couple minutes and then those recenter me cuz they're familiar. They're they're my intimacy intimacies with myself. And so it really isn't contingent upon anything happening anymore these days. Like whatever's happening in the world, whatever is happening with my friends, whatever is happening with my personal life, be it romantic or interpersonal. And I've worked really, really hard on isolating that one experience that I've had and not being so wrapped up in the story of that pain and chaos. And now on the other side, I can say thank you for that experience because I'm a more balanced, self-aware person. And I'm so much fucking deeper than I was six months ago. And So when I do get kind of taken away with emotional triggers, there's also the belief or the idea or the concept that energy and motion is what emotions are. And so it's if I'm having an experience or something is happening outside of me, what I'm controlling is not the thing, but my energetic response to it. And so when I 
because I know that, it also doesn't become contingent upon what's going on in the world or what's going on around me too much. It, all of these little things kind of work together to make me a, like, stable human. Um, and if I find myself being unstable, then I also know what to do and how to regulate that. And um, I just don't feel incapable living anymore. Mm. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Because Lord knows there's no shortage of trauma. And I don't believe in trauma being healed ever or it being done happening. Like, I was telling you that the other night. Like, I could have trauma in, like, another 20 minutes. Hopefully Mm. not. But, like, how would I know? And I kind of live, not live touch and go like that, but live presently. Like, as in I don't know what's going to happen. I never do and I never have and look at me now, look at how far I've come. So I'm I'm pretty positive I'll be able to handle anything that comes and then enabling myself with other skills like emotional regulation skills and communication skills and being able to be honest with somebody because ultimately I see that any problems that I really have ever had in my life have be- been stemming from interrelational things. And so I'm a happier person and I'm more adept at making connections even though i'm fearful i was still able to do it it's exposure therapy as you'd said Mm -hmm. um because i i know what to do and if i don't want to be alone and i i want to calculate connection and do it intentionally then i have to i have to know what to do with myself and how I'm going to respond to one thing or another. And I have a plethora of information from past experiences. And the only reason I have that information is from past experiences and specifically from traumas, kind of circling back to the trauma thing of like, the only reason I know how to be so deep and talk about my feelings so much and connect with people on inherently human things is because of my trauma. So I say, thank you, trauma. I wouldn't be me without it. And that's a pretty unpopular opinion, but <laughs> yeah, um, not unpopular. I think that if people saw inside my brain and saw how calculated and like nurturing and but also analytical I am about it and how mindful and present and but also very cerebral I, I am, those, those two worlds really do come together in my mind. And it is a very, it's so much intention around something like that. Like, yes, thank you, trauma is not just like a flippant thing. Like, I could talk and talk and talk and provide so much context about how I arrived there, why I think that way, how it benefits me for the next traumatic experience that would happen. Um, This overarching essence of being not grateful for the sake of being grateful, but being grateful, and that's part of it, but... But carrying the power of gratitude and and benefiting from it and utilizing it and leveraging it in moments that are difficult um, as I move through life. Yeah, I love that so much. Like, really refreshing perspective to have, (laughs) truly. Um, Sometimes I feel like I experience these bouts of anxiety that kind of come up for me and they seem to be very random like I can't really pinpoint a trigger I just feel like weird in my own skin and it feels like it the sensation really lives inside my body and for whatever reason it's 
really difficult to get past the body sensation, even if my mind is very clear and centered. Like mm. I'm really good at pinpointing like what an anxious thought is for me and being able to, you know, do like a fear exercise, like, okay, what's the worst that's going to happen? Great. Here's what I'm going to do if that happens. This is not a truth for me and be able to move past it in that way. But it's almost like a gut feeling, like maybe I need to be paying attention to something and it's living, like I said, like in my body. And I'm just wondering if you ever experience anything like this or if it's just me. <laughs> Please, no. someone tell me it's not just me. God, I wouldn't even <laughs> relatively say that it's just you. That'd be, s- I think that's even such a weird thing. Like, oh, that's just you. When mm-hmm. people say that, I'm like, <laughs> it can't be. It is not. It's never. <laughs> It's actually just you. Just <laughs> right back at him. <laughs> um, yeah, fuck yeah, all the time. Um, I I have a, a much like the relationship I have with trauma. I like my anxiety when it is when it has arisen. When there is a a feeling or there's something going on, I hang out with it. I touch it. I say, "What's going on, little guy?" Or big guy, or whatever is in the, Why is it a guy? It's, it's always a guy. It's always a guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, not true. Sometimes it's a girl. Sometimes it's a creature. Sometimes it's, it's the just wind. like a <laughs> I'm just like annoyed. Yeah. The right. wind giving me anxiety. Right. Yeah. Well, so that's kind of exactly my point. Like it can be from so many different things that, again, the contingency is. Me being able to handle my anxiety is not contingent upon where it comes from or f- sourcing it out. Like, right. I'm, I sometimes I could care less. I'm like, whatever, I just feel anxiety. Okay. So that's, I think, what you're talking about is these just, like, random bouts of anxiety and, like, not knowing where it comes from is actually what gives me more anxiety. And so rather than trying to pinpoint and sometimes if it's not obvious because there's lots of different even in this world there's lots of different variations of anxiety Mm. so if i'm around somebody that i don't get along with that has a certain anxiety and and feels a certain way in my gut and then if i'm nervous that feels a certain way in my gut or excited that feels different in my gut separate from excitement or nervous or nervous and excitement are the same kind of energetic response but i know which one it is based on how my body communicates with me so and then sometimes when it doesn't make any sense at all I just say thank you whatever you're showing me I'm gonna stay put or I'm gonna if I think that maybe I left the straightener on or something then I'll check my things um and I I guess I just ask myself like does action need to be taken right now with whatever this anxiety feeling is and some off very often my mind will answer, my intuition will answer, something answers and says no or yes. And then I go, okay, what is it that needs to be attended to? And then I'll get more answers. So I actually have conversations with it. Um, yeah. So that's how I, I do have those things and I, that's how I deal with them. Yeah, that. I mean, I have a similar process in that I kind of let it ride. <laughs> I mean, there's there's nothing it's I can not do. Comfy, I can't but you right. Let it ride. Like, I can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. So I just kind of like lean into it as much as I can without making myself feel. I don't know. There's we want to give everything of, meaning, and <clears throat> I know that our human tendency to do that is what I also pay attention to. You know, like I'm gonna try and make meaning out of 
everything and anything. And yeah. I, that makes me lose center. And so if my priority is center, even if I'm having an anxiety situation, it's not necessarily necessary right. to go investigate and lose center and veer off and wander off. Yes. Yeah, it's just really frustrating when it happens at pivotal moments. <laughs> like, I think I was telling you this happened as I was driving down to Arizona for New Year's Eve. And I'd felt a lot of resistance to taking the gig and actually oh, showing up. no, you up. didn't tell me any of that. Okay, well, there's a bit of a story here then. Um, yeah, like the whole day I had this that sensation in my body that I was just uncomfortable and it wasn't because I was nervous. I've done plenty of crazy things in my life where I was in a much worse position than I was arriving here. And I knew that I would be in a place with a lot of really like-minded people. I wouldn't be hard to make friends. <clears throat> and so I kind of spent the day, I spent the day in my car for the most part, driving down five hours, just like sitting in that feeling. It was kind of awful. But I got here, I got ready, I like fell into my routine. I always get ready in my van, play some music, some of my favorite house music mm. tracks that I'm especially into. And I slowly felt myself shift into the DJ persona I became Charlotte and I managed to like get out, start talking to people. That's when I ran into you actually. Yeah. Um, so on top of that, I was feeling super introverted and <laughs> it was really difficult for me to actually walk up to you guys and say like, hey, I'm here alone. Can I hang out with you? Because what I really wanted to do in that moment was lie in bed and just like exist in those weird feelings happening and I didn't have time for that. And that's normally what I would do. Mm. But I felt like if I did end up taking time to lie down, then I wouldn't have time to get ready. I wouldn't have time to go meet people before my set. And I really didn't want to just show up right before my set. And so it ju I just didn't have time to process. But fortunately, I was able to make that shift. Um, you guys are awesome. Yeah. And <laughs> still, no idea. yeah, I want to talk about also the concept of New Year's Eve. Um, I don't think I agree. <laughs> I don't whoa, think... Whoa, 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 Yeah, whoa. I just don't... So my thing is, I don't... Explain. Yeah, I don't <laughs> love that we have certain times of year that are emphasized... That emphasize connecting with our friends and family. Because I think that it should be a constant. Yeah. It, it shouldn't have a dedicated date where we all, like, freak out. And make plans to be together to while everyone else is doing that. Yeah, everyone people like completely freak out. out. It's chaos. <laughs> and so I'm just saying, like, yeah. I feel like we, it would be so nice to have that just like more of a constant in our lives where we're not putting so much pressure on a night like New Year's Eve to be something special. Yeah. And that was part of the reason I was feeling a little rough that night was because I wasn't with any of my close friends. And it's, a time that there's just so much emphasis on being with people, especially ones that you want to spend the new year with. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just wanted to like get your thoughts on that too. My friend and I say happy now year, mm -hmm. but new year's is every day. There's right. a, there's been a, July, a January 3rd. There was one last year. Today's new year's. Totally. I, I, 
I think I decided that it's like not a hill I'm going to die on and be like, I was really bad on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. with the anxiety of all that stuff and did have the first panic attack I'd had in a while on Thanksgiving because of all that. It just like accumulated and, and I know that I'm having a panic attack because I have a very different energetic and ex- internal experience than I'm, than just normal anxiety that I have a great relationship with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, an anxiety attack is, is totally different, feels different. But then I was fine on Christmas and then I was f- fine on New Year's. And I, I think I just put myself in a position to feel the way that I like to try something new and put myself out there. I would normally be alone for New Year's and I have been many years in the past. But this year I got an invite to do something and it's like, it's what I've been asking for. And so I was just, I think this year and maybe in years to come or holidays to come, just gratitude that there are people and there's a thing that they get excited about because life is hard and connecting with people is hard and if there is a time that brings people together and then there's a cascade like now you and I three days later are having a connection and we'll probably continue to have one but that's like that's the the domino effect of that one singular moment like a thing like New Year's and so I kind of have to look at it with I see your perspective and it can and that's true too it's annoying that that everybody freaks out on a specific day for sure and then yes there's especially for christmas there's this icky capitalism aspect of we're never enough and that's that's too that's true too and then i also see the other past aspect of we're celebrating traditions that we just don't even register as traditions and have these little rituals that are so beautiful and why do we throw why don't we wear glitter on New Year's? Like, where did that come from? And why are all these little tiny intricacies of these holidays even here? And regardless of the past and what's been appropriated and what's been um, lost, like a lot of history is lost and we're just doing fractals of what our ancestors used to do on any of these holidays too. So this is kind of a tangent on like, this is the other side of how I see it is it's not just... It is annoying and people are, it can be annoying on these holidays, but it, I also have come to m- mature in my judgments a little bit and see the, the good that comes from frantic days like New Year's Eve. And I don't know what'll happen and I don't know who people will become. And it was like a, a drop in an ocean or a drop in a lake that created ripple effects and we're all like you know people on the other side of the lake are now feeling the the results of the one day that that dropped into the the still water and we're all the droplets that make up that collective body of water anyways so then we're all like interacting with each other but there's something happening on the other side of the lake that I have no idea about that but also happened at the same moment that something happened to me that now I'm experiencing three days later so in kind of an alternative world's perspective or dimensions, like those are moments that kind of split life into fractals. Yeah. 
I mean, that's my favorite part of this lifestyle to begin with is yeah. how many— And this is not just New Year's. I mean, that was a separate thing. Totally. But it was a thing like New Year's or the other event or any event like that is kind of the same concept of this is a thing <clears throat> that splits people's lives, tra- life trajectories. Yeah, and the reason I did take the gig and that I ended up here at all was because I knew I was going to meet— people and make really important connections like I knew this was going to be really good for the soul that's why yeah. I always say it's gonna be good for the soul even if it feels awkward or uncomfortable or maybe I'm getting signals somewhere in my body or my mind that are telling me this is a bad idea like yeah. you probably shouldn't um I'm able to kind of like because historically I've done this a number of times and I've had really beautiful outcomes yeah like I still continue to put myself through and put myself out there and that there's something really exciting about just like completely like propelling into a black hole of sorts where there there's only uncertainty. You yeah. have no idea what's going to happen, but yeah. that means anything could happen. Truly. It's I was this is another thing I was talking to Jameson about is um I do a lot of Joe Dispenza meditations and they're the ones that are very heavy on the forget your past so you can create the future in the present kind of things and a lot of practice with letting go of the past kind of leaves me a bit um like the past stabilizes us what I'm hearing Mm -hmm. from you or part of your process that I, I really appreciate is that your past stabilizes you in those kind of difficult moment where you I've done this I'm hearing a lot of I've done this before this worked before you've trusted historically speaking like Mm -hmm. you I'm sure that there is obviously just natural stuff that's happened that hasn't been so pleasant but what I'm hearing is a lot of your wisdom comes from your past experiences and how to navigate the present and a lot of the work that I'm trying to do is more instinctual and moment-to-moment communion with things and letting go of my past completely to, like, I actually have never experienced this before. I've never been here before. Even if I have, even if it's moment-to-moment the exact same situation or, like, all the variables are the same, I am trying to practice ultimate presence or or true presence of this has never happened to me before because I'm a different version of me now experiencing something with all these variables. I really love that. So would that mean that in my situation, you would have shown up to this event and explored it from that mindset? Like maybe you would have done a meditation or however you prepare yourself to enter that experience. But it would have been, it wouldn't have been me making assumptions. Like I'm going to meet cool people because I always do. Yeah. I I don't operate in assumptions like that. Um, yeah. Actually, now that I'm noticing it is I, I just am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I truly show up in like moment to moment as the meeting everybody and being invited to things and I wasn't told that there was like potluck or to like pick up stuff to contribute so I was like damn it now I have a little insecurity that I'm not contributing but then I was like I like doing dishes so I made it known to everybody that I was going to do all the dishes every meal and like then I did alleviate that that now I'm aware of this and I didn't like resent the past or like I wish I'd known or like keep Mm -hmm. talking about it I just took care of it and so I have a I have a very attuned yeah, I don't 
I don't project into the, I try not to project into the future too much and I don't spend too much time in the past either outside of when it comes up. And I always say this caveat because I have talked a good deal about the past six months and that experience because it's really informed how I am now Mm -hmm. and what I've decided to take away from it and that I like, I like this version of me now, even though I'm a little bit more like skittish and fickle. Okay, well now I'm navigating a skittish and fickle version of myself. Like, what's she like? And so... Um, yeah, I would say that I don't even like, I don't even tell myself or talk myself into like, it's going to be fine. I'm going to do, I'm going to meet nice people. Everything's going to be all right. Um, I just do and am. Yeah. It's funny because my Oracle reading yesterday was all about (laughs) reflection. And to me, that means reviewing my history and paying attention to my past. Yeah. In order to bring that into my present. And so I think it's really interesting to hear your approach versus mine and how I'm very much like, I definitely use at least the positive things. I mean, a lot of negative things are really important too, but to instill a sense of confidence, like moving forward, because sometimes I need that. Like sometimes I do. And I think we talked about using the ego. Yeah. Right. And so that whole concept of like, sometimes it is important to keep some of those things in mind as you move forward. Yeah. But I, I really totally want to. I really want to try your approach <laughs> and just like show up and not have a plan or ex. I mean, I usually don't. That's the thing. Like, I don't really believe in having expectations and setting standards. And you know, like, tr- I mean, honestly, that night I might have just not made any friends at all. It could have yeah. gone that way. Yeah. Like, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, it's an interesting, I mean, it's always, I fall, I'm trending heavy on the presence because that's what I've decided to to spend time doing. But I don't know if I'll always prefer this kind of instinctual operating system. I might want a different one soon. Well, you <laughs> keep saying instinctual in your Oracle reading was instinct well I think that's really what you bringing it up like yours was about reflection and you trend towards history and Mm. and past behaviors and I love that you said even even negative experiences are the negative ones are important Um, because I agree and I I'm more trend on the side of like my all of my experiences have shaped the the body and person and spirit that I am today. And so instincts are really what I heavily re- like rely on or what I'm emphasizing needing to hone back into. And um, that that's just my path. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if this will always be how I'm on, but it, what's really cool is that the Oracle reading was kind of trending in our personality types without even like picking those cards on purpose or anything like you are already like that way so it was like a comfort to be shown and almost it felt like encouragement for our two different styles of operating in the world yeah yeah I totally that was pretty cool it totally felt like an affirmation of like this yeah, is how you but it's are okay and, to, to yeah. reflect and use history and use the use the past use the ego to lean on these things yeah i totally agree and for me i'm being pulled away from that i'm being pulled towards now the present communion with things in stillness yeah yeah you mentioned earlier 
um, your process with seeking advice. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so I'm curious to hear how you balance seeking external advice versus like turning inward. It's like a 99, 1% ratio of really? inward to rate outside. Yeah. That's awesome. I don't, I, it depends on the thing. Like when there are things that I have absolutely no idea about, especially the electric in my van, it was built for me. So I need to ask like, okay, is this normal? Or with the heater thing, I needed to ask for a lot of help. So this is also my relationship with asking help. And the the crux of it is if if I know myself to not know what is going on, or have the time or brain space where it's not a good use of my time or brain space to go digging through YouTube, even if that's the encouragement, I'm going to ask somebody what's what's going on or or, or for help. Um, it's not a good use of my time to research electrical systems in the van or how a heater works. It just isn't. Well, what about for life decisions? Like, do you not go to people you trust and at least, I mean, maybe you're not looking for advice, but maybe you want to just talk out loud to someone and oh, have a yeah. sounding board or maybe like they're open to giving you their opinion, but it's not necessarily like advice on what you should do. Again, depends. It depends how emotionally deregulated and compromised I am. But I am not very often emotionally deregulated because I know how to emotionally regulate. So I have processes for all the things that would make me reach outward um, that all redirect me inward. So if I really need answers to something, I journal. If I really, really need answers to something, I meditate. And if I really, really need answers to something, I don't do anything. Have you ever done soul journaling? Not by that name, but it's probably what I do anyways. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, my my journal entries are very introspective. Um, Like I could probably read you an entry and it's like, walking myself through a thought process or a new experience or how I arrived at a certain conclusion. And this is all stemming from the belief that nobody knows me as well as I know myself and as intimately as I know myself. So the the best that anyone can do is let me vocally process with them. But I have other methods of of processing. I voice chat and I journal and mind map. So I have a... I, it's a hard... It's hard for me to say that any time I don't know what to do, that I I don't go outward. I'm just very—it's just how I've—some of it might be natural, and, like, I've always been this way. I do think that that's, that's the case a good bit. I have always been very introspective and asked big questions and really— Never had anyone around to talk to about some of the big things that I've always thought about, like how things work and how life is and and what emotions are. No one's ever really entertained those kind of questions for me as I was growing up. So I kind of got really good at self-soothing and being capable of answering those questions to a satisfactory level for myself, Um, which... I've run into experiences where because I am that way, 
people get really, really way too excited that I ever do ask for some advice or an opinion. Mm. And then they kind of overstep their boundary because, oh, well, when somebody doesn't, who never needs help, needs help from me, that that probably feels really good or could feel really good. And so I I have to have a careful boundary with people where I say, like, I just need you to listen. It's very easy. Just listen to me. That's the most you can do. Um, and having that conversation up front is so, so much better because— it just annoys me to get unsolicited advice, and I act, it actually erodes my trust in people it's when they, they don't ask permission for giving me any advice or telling me something that they observe. I'm perfectly okay with hearing a reflection, but it's just that. It's just a reflection that they're projecting at me. And if they don't think that it's that, then I start to lose trust in our ability to connect with each other on, a, on mutual playing ground um, and respectfully. Um, because I am not an advice giver, even though I talk a lot and I have a lot to say and I have lots of observations, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't care. (laughs) If somebody asks me, yes, we'll talk about it. It's conversational, but it is not, I'll almost always in, in the inverse way, if somebody asks me for advice, I just ask them a question back and then that makes them introspect. Yeah. I think that's almost the best way to give advice yeah um, giving advice is just another word for ask a informative question or ask a yeah um not an educated uh like ask a question that will draw out more of the Mm -hmm. the true meaning of whatever the question is Mm -hmm. like help me understand or what do you mean by that or where does that come from or how did you arrive there I think most of the time when people are looking for advice, that's really what they're looking for. Because as we just talked about earlier, like when it's your idea, when you come to the conclusion, it is so much more powerful than when someone else tells you this is how it is. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. And I think that I don't want to say that people have to learn that the hard way, but they do ultimately have to arrive there themselves like, Mm. Oh, I actually don't like when people just tell me unsolicited, even if they're they're the biggest unsolicited advice giver ever. And then there might be a moment where they realize what they've been doing because somebody does it to them. And they're Mm. like, wow, that feels really icky. And that that breeds self-awareness. But I don't think that it can really happen. It can. Like somebody telling you, wow, you are a hypocrite. You tell people all this unsolicited advice but then you got mad at me for not have for giving you unsolicited advice and that's very contradictory of you like do you see that and that can be a moment of them realizing it but I think that kind of stuff has to come organically too where mm-hmm. they arrive at that like wow I, I should probably be I should probably listen more or something yeah um yeah that's something that I work with my clients on a lot and that they don't they truly don't see it. Like, I guess like I was saying, like men that I work with, but this one in particular, um, we were working on presence and I, we were role playing me being a disgruntled team member. And he his his role was to respond with presence and stay with me and listen in order to solve the problem more efficiently. And when I was talking and role-playing as this person that was disgruntled and had a problem he started offering suggestions right out of the gate 
because he wasn't actually with me. He was with the solution, which would, and in the reflection afterwards, it was with the money that would be saved by this problem being solved as quick as possible. It would be by there being a resolution as soon as possible so people, so the team member could get back to work. Like, mm-hmm. it had all these really subconscious um, intentions or agendas. And what he— it, and the reason that he's working with me is because he wanted to be more of an approachable, trustworthy, and straightforward leader and, and communicator. And I said, the instruction was, you weren't with me. You didn't even ask me to give you more details about the problem that I was actually having. And so your suggestions to, to create a solution weren't really as effective or or addressing the root as they could have been had you just taken the extra two and a half minutes to listen to me process something and then ask me, okay, I have some ideas. Would you like to hear them? Right. Now they have a very clear idea of what the problem is, a very and, and more trust with me or the person that they're that has come to them for this thing. And um they're so much more capable of handling the process or handling the creating the solution in a collaborative way with the other person rather than just like barking at, okay, well, I'm going to take care of this because it doesn't fit my agenda to have this mm-hmm. problem this way, this, this amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, which is truly like, it's the subtleties of these communication and interactions that actually build an entire, you know, build entire companies, build entire lifestyles, build entire relationships. That's where I, I fall into the, the communication aspect of, of life is so intimate so nuanced and if people aren't dialed into their own communication and how it all plays out then they're always going to be subject to or victimized by somebody who has better communication skills or somebody who is more Mm self-aware do you want to talk about wormholes i want to pee okay but i don't know how to pause this so they might just hear that nate might just have to edit peeing out of the background (laughs) I feel like you told us how to do this, but I don't remember. Isn't it just when like we're? This? Oh my god, are we live? <laughs> we are now. Wait, we're Damn, they missed the period talk, the period pimple talk. Oh, well, now they haven't. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can hear, you can hear everything. Oh, what do you want? What should we talk about? Should we do some ASMR? Yeah. I have to get the frequency really right. Feel, that doesn't, I know because the frequency is wrong. That's not doing anything. Wrong. Do you know what works for me really well is like the wind rushing against cars. So I'm gonna try to make that sound. <laughs> I hate that sound. You know what? I think I nailed it. You don't hear it? <laughs> As I'm like shaking my head, and you're like, I nailed it. <laughs> I got I'm gonna disagree but okay what's your ASMR sound or at least one of them that you like um oh my god when I had TikTok for like 72 hours I would go on at night and go into those ASMR girls I had the long nails and those fuzzy things on the microphone and they would just <laughs> the clacking <laughs> to like say things like yeah intelligently oh yeah wait I'm gonna do that thank you so much for your donation I love you 
You're beautiful too. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's the sound. <laughs> and so if I, if I had nails and they're just like, yeah, they're always like writing stuff too. Stuff. Like writing yeah, actually, notes. like writing ASMR might be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't feel capable of talking about wormholes on my podcast. I feel like I feel like that's I'm that's still a, a that's still just for me. <laughs> And certain people who I want to talk about quantum mechanics with. I totally respect that. Thanks the, for respecting my preferences on wormhole talk. I was going to say I've got a worms, wormhole story. Oh. Um, I've only had a few conversations about wormholes myself, so I don't really know what I'm saying. <laughs> but, but one time I was at a coffee shop just minding my own business, and this older gentleman starts chatting me up about the aliens. And he's got all these books. And he's like, have you ever seen a book like this before? And I was like, no, sir, not really my thing. And <laughs> No, sir. <laughs> yeah, and he wouldn't, he didn't have any social cues. Like, he was not interpreting mine at all where I was, I only had a few minutes. I was, I don't remember what I was doing, but I had to leave in just like five, ten minutes. And I didn't have much time to be on the Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And, but he wouldn't stop talking to me. And so he told me all about the aliens that live underground and how they travel using wormholes and they're here to protect us. So, you know, natural disasters, they can't really do anything about those. But as far as a nuclear war goes, we're safe because they would never let that actually happen. So it was really interesting. Yeah, he um, used to be in the military. He um, saw some shit and got some level of clearance where... He was so convinced that there were so many things that the government is hiding from us and was very much on the conspiracy theory train and um, was trying to sell me a ticket, but I had somewhere else to go, so I couldn't get on the train with him. (laughs) But it was really, yeah, like just hearing someone talk so passionately about something and I try to stay open-minded. Like I don't know anything about anything and I, I try not to be an expert. Um. And so I, it was still hard to lend him an ear though, you know, like who knows what the truth is. I certainly don't, but on some level it's like, you'd probably have a better understanding of what I'm trying to say, but just the way he was talking to me, the way he was communicating, like it didn't feel like he was very grounded Mm -hmm. and it was kind of spooky because of that, a little creepy and, um, like just weird vibes all around that he was so it was like he was trying to sell me on something like he was part of a movement but wasn't actually asking really just agreement exactly that was that was the weird thing it's like there's no punchline there's no call to action here there's nothing but he just wanted someone to talk at that was clearly disinterested and like i don't know it's just interesting like yeah there's a lot of people in the world that don't have anyone to talk to and they that's kind of just how they end up sometimes down those rabbit holes and going inward in a in a way that feels I don't want to I don't know how to actually speak about it but it feels like um 
Like, they don't have a choice but to go inward, and instead of tuning in or regulating to some other thing, to some other option, really, like, okay, well, maybe that was a thing that I had to do when I was younger, but I'm, I'm an adult now. I can go to a coffee shop, and I can... I can watch how other people interact and then I can, if I really don't know what to do, I can mirror them or we have such capabilities to mirror each other um, innately. Babies do it. It's just how we learn. And it's really funny that we don't actually need any education to learn to talk. We're born with it and born with mirroring other people Mm -hmm. to do it. And so if people don't develop an awareness of those things and take those social that social awareness and self-awareness to evolve then they get kind of stuck in this like almost a time loop of their own interests and deep dives into stuff and people really aren't like he doesn't even qualify or quantify that you're not interested he can't even read that because he doesn't maybe expose himself to enough human interaction to have any of those social cues and then there's also I think we operate in a world where a lot more people are on some type of spectrum than we have ever given them credit for or that we acknowledge. So I I think that we're just interacting with people on a day-to-day basis that don't have those social cues. And again, this comes into like the intimacy of communication is like, what am I going to do about, because I have the skills to communicate. I am self-aware. And so if somebody is approaching me like that, I'm going to do my best my very best to stay centered myself and maybe emit that centered energy and maybe ground him even a little bit energetically not because he not because he needs it or I think that he needs it because it's for both of us if we're going to have an interaction I'm the one who can carry that kind of energy and hold that for myself um, and stand my ground and then also be alert if it starts going in an appropriate way like not just walk away or be cruel or mean but also I can control whether that happens or not. We don't give each other enough ourselves, like, enough. That's another power of communication is that I can control. If someone is taking a conversation energetically in an uncomfortable way, that's communicating to me before words even are. So I can get in front of that. When I start feeling that energy or picking up on it, I can use communication to either change the subject or exit the conversation. Before it ever gets into something that makes me truly uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely part of the discomfort was I didn't have time to get whatever I needed to get done wrapped up. And also recognizing that this person seemed to need something from me, like some kind of validation or something energetically that I was not prepared or willing to give. And despite my attempts to communicate that via body language, it wasn't something he was picking up on. And so that the cycle kind of... wasn't even aware of it. Not at all. And so there was a guy sitting next to me who was responding and was essentially asking this guy questions. And um, So you felt trapped? I was sitting between them. Yeah. (laughs) So I was just like in the crossfire of like, you know, I I like really didn't want to participate, but I was getting stuck in the middle. And um, eventually this guy left um, and the guy sitting next to me was like, yeah probably schizophrenia but then that made me realize like well who has the skewed worldview here though like who's to say like I'm not seeing something or I'm missing the bigger picture maybe like this stuff's actually happening and I'm just not clued in and you know like just like that whole existentialist 
Yeah, totally. Like that's, and I think that's healthier though yeah. to have that kind of. What's your and then you use history as your sounding board, and I use the present moment as my sounding board and grounding. So I think it's just having the capability of okay, well, I'm feeling a little off of whatever my regulation is or my um, equilibrium is off. So how do I get myself back to it? What do I use? And man, everyone is having all sorts of experiences all the time, all day, every day for their whole lives. It's wild to think about. It's unfathomable. It is without fathom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and I'm sure if I started talking about the angel signs that I'm getting every day, like this guy would have no idea what I'm talking about and might not be able to validate me in that. But it's something I believe in because it's my everyday experience and it feels so real. And even though I'm the one attaching meaning to these signs, it's, you know, like very much a part of my reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you see more often? I see five, five, five. All the time. I see 333 all the time. I see a lot of repeating numbers, Mm -hmm. but those are the two that I see the most. Yeah. I saw a really funny meme of 222 being on a microwave time and somebody being like, oh my God, my angels are looking out for me. And the microwave says, I'm a microwave, bitch. (laughs) I'm a microwave. Come on. (laughs) I'm a microwave, bitch. Um, but I totally, I love, I love the idea that there's little tiny synchronicities that are keeping me on track and looking out for me. Like, and that's what they are. I think they are worth paying attention to. I've talked about this on the podcast before where I've been seeing before 2023, I was seeing 23 everywhere in like, there's this one time I was driving down and I had told my um, a friend about this 23 thing and then she sees uh, a vehicle that has the number 23 on it at 4 a.m. in the morning when she was doing something I forgot what she was doing 4 a.m. in the morning but it was like a snowplow number that was 23 number 23 and she's like 23 and then I know there's a whole thing about 23 I I did a little research on it a little while ago but it didn't stick and then I was driving in Utah and it and I saw a snowplow with 23 on it. So I don't, like, there's just a lot of randomness that sometimes doesn't feel so random. And I think those are worth paying attention to, especially when I'm the one who's like, that doesn't feel random. Right. And I can draw connections to it and then, again, use the sounding board of like, okay, well, I already know how I usually process this. So I'll just, that's, that's just what I do. Like, I don't need to do reinvent the wheel on like how I interpret angel numbers. I'm just like, oh, I like them. They're comforting for me. I don't, co- I have different things that I, that I spend a lot of time thinking about. But um, sometimes things can just be nice. <laughs> I totally agree. And even if they're not, my actual angels putting these numbers yeah. so that I see them. Yeah. Like, they're still serving as That's cues. Still nice. Yeah, it's just nice. Like, they're cues that always make me feel really good about what I'm doing and where I am in the world. Yeah. And I think that's so encouraging and important. I agree. Because I, I always say, like, I don't know if I could maintain my own motivation day in and day out if I didn't have these cues, these nudges, essentially, and have the belief that they're 
the universe. Yeah. You know, like giving me a little push when I need it. Because it's so hard to come up with that energy yourself all the time, you know? Sometimes. I'm a very self, self-initiated person, so much like any of the other things that I've been talking about, I, I don't struggle coming up with motivation or inspiration or energy for things. I was just going to say, I just feel crazy sometimes. <laughs> and so, like, because of my dreams and how I'm, like, sometimes I feel like I'm blindly chasing them. It's nice to receive, like, mm, the external yeah. support of, like, hey, you're not you're not alone out here. You're not crazy. Like, keep going. Um, yeah. I, I think that's why there's such a thing as religion in yeah. the first place is, like, exactly what you're saying, which is why it's— I've never found agnostics or atheists to be any more impressive of people than people who have a religious affinity to something. I I don't think it's still a religion on some level to not believe in anything or to be so—it's a different level or version of dogma to be so adamantly against religion. That's like, okay, cool, you're, you're really showing them. Right, like that's the belief then. Yeah. Like that nothing exists. No, they'll co-sign it. Yeah, and I, I think that's where my priority and what you said earlier about my fluidity on things really comes from is that I don't know and I'm cool with that. Yeah, it's exhausting to keep trying to fight that battle. Yeah. <laughs> like just submit and yeah. just go with it. Yeah, that's definitely the surrender experiment that I'm in this year. So let's talk 2023 goals and what we got going on and I didn't even introduce you because that's not how this podcast works but we can do an interest too um so yeah mine's just a big old fat surrender experiment with the, a capital s and really what that means to me is catching being super attuned to the different flows that I'm that I'm in and um responding with surrender and grace and elegance and sometimes surrender is is the the harder thing not fighting for stuff and i i um and sometimes fighting is easier it's it's a strange paradox but mm-hmm. um yeah my experiment this year with my business relationships work is just like just surrender like there's somebody that is giving me very nice attention right now um, from afar. And I have this feeling that's coming up of like what'll happen is one thing. And then as soon as that thought of like what'll happen, like should I say that? Should that should that happen? Um, I just release. And then as soon as or a past thing comes up of I don't know what's um this has happened before like people lose interest really quickly with me and like all these kind of combative things yeah um okay thank you let it go like I know why you're here but but thank you just surrendering to the moment and like taking what he's saying at face value and it's unfolding really beautifully actually like it's a I'm like we'd said I'm really slow burn and it's really really pleasant to be given attention and affection from afar with both of us with no no vocally vocalized certainty on what's happening or what what's going to go on outside of like I did say wait are you just voting or like do you have genuine interest in me 
And I feel comfortable with like kind of what are we what are we doing here? Like calling out in the moment. And and then him affirming, like, I've done you an interest in you and I'm flirting. And I said, like, Okay, great. <laughs> like, whatever. Me too. <laughs> and so like checking in. But what was important is that was the thing that was felt important to do at that moment. But that isn't something that continues to feel important to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so that's really that's my goal in twenty twenty three. Like everything's good. It just is good. It just is. I love that. What about you? Also, do a little intro. Okay. Um, my name is Claudia. I am a nomad. I've been on the road for two years. I did a year in a compact SUV without tinted windows or curtains or anything. And I'm a DJ, so I had all my DJ equipment in there. Um, hugely passionate DJ and music producer, as well as rock climber. Those are really big parts of my identity right now, as well as just generally a traveler, I'm a seeker of new experiences, especially things that make me uncomfortable. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's really who I am right now. In 2023, I really would like to focus on stillness, which is, again, something that came up in my Oracle reading yesterday. And it just made me realize that I've been living a very fast-paced life. Um, as a kid, I was pretty sheltered from like anything exciting in life. I We never went on vacation as a family. I never got to go explore um, anywhere outside of middle of nowhere, Illinois. And so as soon as I saw mountains for the first time in Colorado, it was my first trip west to visit one of my best friends that um, I had met in college. I just didn't take my flight home because I didn't want to go back to Illinois. It just felt like there was nothing for me there. And I loved the mountains so much. I went rock climbing for the first time. Um, yeah, it just felt right to stay and see what happened. And so, yeah, I spent five years in Colorado and started traveling the world and got super into rock climbing and started DJing. And now I'm here and I would really like to slow down a bit and see what that feels like and see what else I can learn about myself because I've talked about this a few times, but I've just, I feel like for a lot of people, it's really difficult to pick up and leave and just, if it's, whether it's hit the road, go out of the country, do something crazy to them, um, cause that's super subjective. But for me, that's really my go-to. It's what I feel like has defined my personality for several years now, and it's part of who I am. And I think what's harder for me is to stay put and to face and confront that feeling of restlessness because I'm super impatient. And so I think it'd be really good for me. It'd be really good for my soul for me to just kind of stay places longer and pick up some habits and routines like meditation, things that I've always wanted to be better at to ground myself and see how that impacts my relationships, including the one with myself. <laughs> Mic drop. Amazing. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I just had an interview this morning, so I'm, I'm feeling very like fired up and, and like able to articulate what I want to say. So. <laughs> Um, if you had a message for people listening, what would it be since you're, you're fresh off the articulation? Oh God. Um, well, it's kind of hard because I don't know. It could be anyone listening. There's, if it could be anyone, what would you tell them? Like an, a piece of advice. 
just something maybe that you've learned or learned from last year if you want to play the yeah, new yeah. year new me game this is something I've shared with you as well, but it's been super top of mind for me, and it has to do with, okay, that was probably not even a real fly. I think that was just a floater. I just... There was a just, fly There was a fly? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just focusing on the long-term goals, not how you get there. Mm. Like, the process and journey is super important, but I don't think the details matter. Because you oftentimes will get somewhere and look back and the pathway is something you could have never predicted. And it's so fucking cool when that happens. And it's so cool. And it just kind of shows like things don't go according to plan, but for good reason. Yeah. So, yeah. Just want to leave people with that. I love that. And it is so so contradictory to the like enjoy the journey and stay present with the it's not about the destination and what that kind of challenges is that like to okay yes that's the thing and yes there's a journey but also not we get so wrapped up in the journey also like mm -hmm. and too much of anything is a bad thing right like if you're too focused on the destination you miss out on the details and if you're too focused on the details you might be too rigid in how things unfold like right there needs to be a, a healthy balance and consciousness towards that kind of stuff totally and on top of that there's not just one destination either which yeah. just really yeah. complicates things but it's yeah. so it's so important to false summits for sure like so many of those <laughs> and then sometimes you get somewhere and you're like that's not what I put in the GPS but I'm really happy I'm here yeah like <laughs> totally yeah in a very like nomadic type of way that is so often I have no idea I don't do any I don't really know what pictures look like I don't have eye overlander mm -hmm. I don't really even use any maps or um I actually just use one pin from somebody in reference and then I'll explore an area and see where the free camping is or on Google Maps if I really need to. But I don't use any apps for parking and I haven't for like almost the whole time I've been on the road. Um, so every single time, like that is so intimate to me because every single time I go somewhere new, I literally have no idea what the landscape is. I have no idea what the service is. I have no idea who, what it's like outside of people saying like decent service, big, mm. big trees. Like, okay. Sounds good. Like I can, I can deal with that and I can do everything else that I need to do. Um, so traveling is such a, there's so many not even just solo travel, just just any travel, going anywhere can be like those mini cycles of a beginning, a middle, and an end of a journey and a destination and part of the process. Like we can exercise that that concept mm -hmm. in so many different tiny, tiny, tiny ways. Yeah. And honestly, beginnings are so hard. Like to me, it's not about getting to the ending and getting like achieving your goal, but it's just that initial process of how are you going to get there and figuring that out like yeah. it's crazy like because there are so many different routes so many different paths so many different tools so many different people to pick up along the way as well like oh yeah and let go mm -hmm. drop off drop off yeah at the dumpster <laughs> at the dumpster <laughs> I've been dropped off at the dumpster by other people. Of course. I think everyone has. That's one, one of the bigger lessons I got. When you get dropped off at a dumpster, you dumpster dive, though. Find some... I don't 
don't know if I've ever dumpster dived. <laughs> Dived. I I good. I thrift, but I don't. I haven't gone through the trash. I've gone through my own trash and re-fallen in love with something. I'd well, that's out. what I mean. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's kind of weird. But it it applies. Like it, which version of me threw this out? I like this. <laughs> that's really funny. And then you go back and change your mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I re- I reserve my myself the right to change my mind. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Well, I'm getting hungry, and I want some. I want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and maybe some, maybe some soup. I was just thinking about that pancake, though. There's <gasps> more where that came from. I was just <laughs> thinking about that pancake all night. It's big, fluffy, moist. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm, so good. <laughs> Um, okay. ASMR. Final thoughts. Final share. Um, any anything else? I think I think I laid a lot of my soul out on the table today. Nice. What about you? Yeah, soul forward. Mm-hmm. That's how I live. That's what I always. That's what I tell everybody. That's what I say all the time. So you know. Really? Soul no. forward. <laughs> I'm like I've never heard you say that, that before. My life. <laughs> <laughs> it's my life motto. Soul forward. <laughs> It's not a bad well, one. Mine is do what feels right. So that's another thing. I guess technically mine is be wild and willing to do it scared. Which is great, like that. but that's not actually me this year. That's not really what I do anymore. I don't do it scared. I just You just do it. I just do it or I don't. Mm-hmm. But I'll but I there's no like there's no scared because I take my, I go slow, slow with mm. things and decisions and, and processes and people that I, I acclimate very gently into a new environment, both internally and externally. So things are not actually that scary anymore for me. That's incredible. Like are literally you, nothing is. Are you going to rewrite that sign? Is that a sign you can rewrite? Yeah. It's one of those little guys. I don't know. I might, um, I might have somebody that, is cool and has spent a good amount of time getting to know me. Um, I'm winking by the way. Um, write a message and leave leave it there for some amount of time, and then I might start collecting like pictures or videos of the messages that I've been left and like driving around and like really trying to adopt maybe even different people's perspective or what is profound to them or what you what you whatever you had said and like I'll look at that every day and be like hmm, okay do what feels right all right like am I am I doing that every day am yeah. I am I really feeling that way am I do I even know what feels right like and having a new attunement to that because yeah the fear thing do it scared is not really a thing for me anymore I love that. I just had a few visions. I imagined, <laughs> yeah, I imagined you taking a Polaroid of the signs, like every time you get one and like yeah. keeping those like a Polaroid, um, like just in in a Polaroid picture. Yeah. And then also like setting up a practice where you maybe spend a week or I don't know what the right amount of time would be, but yeah. just like practicing those things like actively. Yeah. Yeah, I would love that's to actually do that what with I would you. do. Yeah. So whatever you write that like is a profound thing for you, mm-hmm. you would leave that with me and I would practice it. Yeah, it would become part that's of my integration. Cool. Yeah. That. I just thought of that now. That is a good idea. But only because I'm looking at that and I'm like, nah, I just I don't even do things that are scary. They're either like worth it for me to do and then that naturally kind of uh, appeases the fear. So it's not even really a 
I'm never doing it scared, actually. Mm. I'm just doing it. There's fear involved just as much as there's joy and excitement and love and peace and, and play and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I shouldn't have it, like, do it playfully. Do it scared. Do it joyfully. Like, it, it could be anything. It's yeah. all of them. Yeah, I like how you detach the behavior and action itself from the emotion. Yeah. And then allow whatever emotions are present to be integrated into that experience. Yeah. And also, if I want to do something different, like I want to appropriate, like play is an attitude. Playfulness is an attitude. So I can appropriate anything with the attitude of play, something that's, and I do often, like these heavy topics that I talk about, I try and have, even just by the sound of my voice sometimes, I can take on that different type of personality and really Mm -hmm. control how I'm going to balance myself as I talk about something that might be heavier or touchy for me and another person to talk about. And it doesn't even have to be something physical that happens, like a voice change or an attunement to that. It could just be energetic where I'm just like, I'm going to approach this with more playfulness because this would make it a more balanced conversation or balanced experience for me. Um, so we can, we use, when we can control them, we can use our emotions to um, intentionally counter oh, I'm having a really negative or, or traumatic or something's happening or I'm in a lot of physical pain why don't I and that is kind of like what happens when you laugh about like being hurt or something is like you're balancing yourself because it's just too much to Mm -hmm. fully deal with the pain of that physical experience so I'm sure that has something to do with it and I'm sure that's something I'm sure that's what I mean by that um, without being fully thought out (laughs) because I haven't thought of everything Mm -mm. um okay cool well Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I'm so glad that you were up for it, and I have no doubt that we will do this again. I would love to. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. I wish, you know, I don't even know what we talked about this whole time, but there are, like, I have these fantasies of people doing things on my podcast, like, I want to play a song sometime or have that be part of the podcast or you like play a like DJ would be part of the Adventure Inward podcast. Like this is a little bit new people. I'm going to mm-hmm. have a DJ on and she's actually going to play like, I don't know, two or three songs. Not not a long time, but just like play a, a set and be like, whoa, <laughs> like DJ Charlotte. Like that would be so cool. Yeah, we would absolutely blast. Dude, that would be so much fun. And then I would just listen to that podcast episode over and over and over again. You know, I have like actual mixes that you can play too. (laughs) (laughs) Actual music. (laughs) Maybe we should put one of those in this episode because that would be so great to also feature. I mean, I'm not a monster. You're also going to get featured. Mm, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe we can have Nate input like a track of like the ending of this episode Mm -hmm. is... um. One of your tracks. I'm going to have to finish something first. (laughs) Okay. That would be so much fun, though. Yeah. I love that. Okay, cool. Well, namaste. Namaste. (laughs) 